Welcome to episode 170 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the latest in scrum news, the Rebel Europe League, Dean Paquit and the Bulldogs, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 170 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Well, Dr. T, I am doing well. Um, Thankfully, I have not been in areas that have uh, had clusters, which is fantastic. Um, but obviously, you know, a lot of people, uh, are being affected by the second wave. So, um, you know, obviously a shout out to anybody that, uh, that has to self-isolate now. Hopefully everybody's okay, but I'm doing well there, Dr. T. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, look, not too bad. Uh, you, you raised an interesting point there because it's, uh, it feels like lately we've been, this has been uh, as much about coronavirus news as it has been about rugby league news because, uh, of what's going on in the world. It's, uh dare I say it, unprecedented times and it's been very, uh, yeah, look, those of you listening, what, what what's happening at the moment is, look, in Australia we've talked about, you know, Victoria having, uh, going through a bit of a, a second spike uh, in, in COVID-19 cases and things like that and now it's starting to kind of happen in uh, in our hometown in Sydney and, and there's been quite a few, um, you know, hotspots that have been identified, some of the some of the uh, southwestern Sydney kind of uh, suburbs have been actually singled out by Queensland as uh, banned suburbs. So if you if you live in any of those kind of areas in Liverpool and Campbelltown mm. in southwest Sydney, uh, and and it's still week uh, week two of the just the start of week two of the school holidays here in New South Wales, you can forget about your road trip to Queensland because they won't let you in. <laughs> if yeah, you're, wow. yeah, so it's a very, very unusual, unprecedented times, and uh, and look, you know, the reason why I raise that as well is because we've got a very real chance that that the NRL may be affected as well. I mean, there was talk mm. about, you know, if they if they can't bring the the, the various hotspot clusters under control, um, you know, there there is a real chance that actually the NRL will relocate all of its players to Queensland. You know, wow. this is not, you know, a short while ago we were talking about Queensland being the the, the kind of hotspot and, and things like that. But no, actually, um, now it yeah. looks like everyone's uh, heading up north for the winter, potentially. Yeah. Um, I think I think Project Apollo have named um, have named this plan the Greg Inglis plan uh, <laughs> because everybody from New South Wales will have to now be from Queensland. Um, yeah, also known as uh, in NRL circles as the Bowerville Blueprint. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. that's right. That's right. Well, that's a perfect name for it. And uh, yeah, it'd be very interesting. And look, uh, you know, the Crossroads Hotel is actually right next to Costco. Um, so yeah, so look, you know, Sydney Siders, 
you know, bulk discounts on groceries or your health. That's the decision we have to make here at the moment. So um, all wow. those people stocking up on toilet paper at Costco, uh, <laughs> it's kind of backfired a little bit on them, I think. Do so at your risk. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people do, you, you, you do realize that you can actually order these things online. So <laughs> I'm just sort of saying it's probably easier to just do that if you're really desperate. But anyway. Um, but yeah, look, some pretty uh, tough times ahead for people down uh, down under here in Australia and Sydney in particular, and Victoria still undergoing some issues there. So look, our our thoughts are out with everyone who is uh, suffering in some way. Uh, hopefully, the rest of us who are not can uh, you know do the right thing and you know just uh, do do the social distancing. You know, wear a mask if possible if you need to go in public, all that kind of stuff. Just do what you can to protect yourself, your family, and each other. Um, and look, with that being said, let's launch into our regular thing, which is our six tackles. So here we go. Tackle number one, our round nine wrap. All right. So the first game, game we're going to talk about is the Roosters thumping the Cowboys 42 points to 16. Uh, Tish, did you catch this match at all? Yeah, well, look, I did. Uh, It was a game of two halves, uh, just like every other game is a game of two halves, but specifically uh, two halves for the Cowboys because the first half, I think they were almost in the lead. Um, And in the second half, uh, I'm pretty sure the Roosters scored over 30 points. So, um, uh, yeah, they just sort of uh, knocked off there, the Cowboys. But, look, the Roosters showing their class. Um, you know, I think Valentine's home got injured and uh, maybe now uh, Paul Green uh, maybe under a bit of a microscope after a, another poor performance. Uh, but the Roosters, after losing to Melbourne, coming back strong. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're almost through the halfway of the competition and uh, all the top teams seem to be firing. And look, a big shout out to the winger, um, Matt Ikuvalu. Yes. Who scored five tries. <laughs> Unbelievably. Wow. Yeah. Uh, just an unbelievable effort. So you're right. Uh, Cowboys did it, get off to a good start. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, by. And in the first half, it was only really, you know, it was pretty close, but the Roosters mm. did go out into the lead. And look, the thing to remember is, and this the Roosters tend to do this, is they obviously blew them away in the first, I would say, probably 20 minutes in the first half, in the second half, sorry. Um, they really sort of, you know, they capitulated, the Cowboys. And and then it was, uh, it was basically two consolation tries in the last eight minutes, which brought the score to a respectable 42 to 16, because it, uh, it was likely to be 42 to uh, 6. At that point, I think so. Yeah, you know, it's it's really uh, again. It just shows the Roosters did what they needed to do. They got into second gear, and there was no chance that the Cowboys, um, you know, could could keep in touch with them. So Cowboys have a lot of thinking to do, absolutely, because they've got quite a lot of talent there around the park. They just need to know what to do with it. So yeah, anyway, yeah. And uh, you brought up Igavalu. Uh, yeah, he did score those five tries. I think the record for the Roosters is like six tries from like the nineteen thirties. So that's a pretty. Uh, it wasn't Dave achievement. Brown, was it? <laughs> I think it could it could quite yeah. well be. Uh, but then the other uh, thing about it is that he wasn't even named to play until, uh, like I think, if twenty minutes before the game, when uh, one of the Morris twins 
had an issue, I think it was a, a groin issue or something like that, and couldn't play. So last minute call up and scoring five tries, and uh, I don't even know if he's named in this week's lineup. That's <laughs> I know it's a bit unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, the next game was uh, the Titans and the Warriors, and I think you tipped this one. You went for yeah. a bit of an upset, the Titans, and they ended up winning 16 points to 12. You must be feeling good about yourself, tip-wise. Tip um, but, yeah, this is another one of those ones. Well, it was close, uh, b- but really it was the way the Titans finished. They they were more composed. They ended up scoring that last try, which um, which put them into the lead uh, and, and, and gave them the win. So, really, a, a try with about, say, six six or seven minutes to go really sealed it, and, and look, I guess you could say they deserve to win the Titans. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, the Titans, um, you know, I haven't seen uh, a lot of their games this year, but from what I have seen, they're not always uh, the worst team out there. You could see that they're probably better than, than um, you know, some of the teams that are really down the bottom, and they've got some things to build on, and I think they have a, a good sort of vibe around uh, the park, and you know, but they're a hot and cold team. So, you know, and I think that this week that they were hot, and I think the, you know, the Warriors they they they're a bit of a yo-yo team too, and um, you know, I think that's that's kind of shown. And uh, you know, some bad news like I think they during this week, you know, they mentioned that uh, Blake Green might, you know, they've kind of not looking to rehire him next year for the Warriors. So, you know, getting rid of their coach, then getting rid of one of their uh, you know key playmakers, it's. It's not a real good vibe around when you make decisions like that. And I think every time uh, the Warriors do something like that, they end up losing the game. Absolutely. The Rabbitohs, unfortunately for you, 18-10 winners against the West Tigers. Look, I don't know what to say, Tish. This is a typical Tigers performance. (laughs) They were down 18-0 and only put their first points on the board in, I'm having a look at this, the 63rd minute, according to, mm. uh, you know, and, and look, really, at that point, you you, you got to think, it's not even a game of two halves, it's a game of quarters there, because they really only gave themselves 20 minutes to yeah. catch up, and they almost did. I mean, you know, they got to 18-10, but realistically, you can't do that against any side, let alone the Rabbitohs, who... Uh, renowned for kind of putting on points quite easily. And so, especially now, they've gone a lot faster than they used to. they got Latrell Mitchell there, who was also involved in a bit of a controversial kind of um, high tackle um, yeah. as well. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. But look, what, what are your overall impressions of the game? Oh, well, look, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a great game to watch. It was, uh, it was a bit sad for me for the first um, 60 minutes, uh, <laughs> to be fair, because... <laughs> The Tigers weren't playing bad, but look, um, to give you an idea, uh, the penalty count was 4 0 with 30, 39 minutes to go to the Rabbitohs. Uh, we did not get a set of uh, a six again in the, f- the whole first half. Um, and uh, even the one penalty that we ended up getting, uh, the, <laughs> the Rabbitohs challenged it uh, after they saw the replay on the big screen, uh, which I don't know if you're allowed to do or not, but uh, they saw it and they challenged it and then they won. So. That was very disappointing. Uh, so it was very disappointing all at the start. Uh, obviously, there was a really big incident right at the start of the game where Josh Reynolds uh, kicked an, uh, an, a South Sydney Rabbitohs player in the head um, as he was going for the ball. Now, uh, obviously, clearly the replays show it was an accident, um, and it was definitely that. And 
you know, he got his three weeks and he and he deserved whatever time he got, even if it was a, a bit longer. I could certainly understand that. But then Latrell Mitchell did come in straight after that and uh, basically necked him uh, off the ball, which is a very similar incident to what Joey Lalua got the week before. Um, but, uh, yeah, Joey Lalua got four weeks and uh, Latrell gets three. So I don't know what you make out of that. Uh, and, then, and then there was a head-eye tackle that Latrell uh, did at the end of the game. So, look. It was a very fiery game because uh, yeah, if you have an incident where somebody gets kicked in the head at the start, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. But the good sign for the Tigers is that last uh, thirty minutes, basically, of the game where Benji Marshall came onto the field, uh, the Tigers looked like a completely different team. Their attack looked very unique in the NRL because it was, um, you know, they basically played the width of the field with a lot of offloads. And, um, you know, there were some really good tries where they, uh, you know, there's one fantastic try with, you know, debutante Reese Hoffman uh, scoring his first try in the NRL. Um, and basically, you know, the, the way the Tigers uh, did it is that they had, a, you know, they did a couple of, couple of offloads in the middle, um, really, you know, compress South Sydney. And in the same play, Benji Marshall throws a 40-metre a pass out wide and Reese Hoffman is just standing there, picks up the ball and scores a try, which is fantastic. Uh, to see that sort of enterprise play. So I think if the Tigers can can sort of mix their attack with their defense a little bit better, uh, they should win some more games. But uh, they have a tough run-up. They still have to play Parramatta twice and the Roosters once. That's, uh, and there's not that many games to go now. So uh, I don't know how... This is a must-win game which they lost. And look, the Rabbitohs, um, I think they've won four in a row now. So they're a team that is heating up and... Uh, we sort of see this with teams that win the premiership. You sort of see them halfway through the season start to get a bit of momentum. And I think the Rabbitohs are a team that are definitely on the up. And be interesting to see how they go up against some of the more uh, favoured teams uh, as the season plays out. Yeah, look, and, and this year there may be the dark horse. Uh, just like we, we predicted and we were almost right that the Raiders last year were the dark horse. Mm. I'm thinking that the Rabbitohs will be this year because, the, you know, at the moment, the way it stands, they've won more than they've lost, five and four, uh, and they're just above the Raiders, even though they're equal points. And they're within striking distance of the Roosters, who have done some amazing things this year. So, uh, you yeah. know, literally one win away from the Roosters in fourth place. So not bad for a team that's currently six and on the way up. And, and yeah, they're the dark horse, I reckon. But... Uh, Look, speaking of dark horses, there is uh, another team, well, that didn't quite put in uh, the same amount of uh, effort, I guess, uh, or or get the result they wanted. But they're also a dark horse, the Sharks. Unfortunately, they were absolutely smashed by Penrith Panthers, 56-24. to Um, Tish, I don't know if you caught this match, but... What did you think about the score? I mean, look, what what are the standouts for you? That we did get um, a four try, four tries to who was it? Uh, let me just have a look. First name, Charlie Staines. The centre, Charlie Staines, got four tries for the Panthers. So, you know, one of those kind of uh, one of those days that I guess it's one of those weekends where <laughs> some players just turned it on and just. Uh, Points yeah. galore. Uh, what did you think about the game? 56 points. It's, uh, you know, for the Sharks to give up that many is uh, very unusual, I would say. And more to the point, what does this say about the Panthers' attack? I mean, it's uh, going great guns at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so look, yeah, debutante scoring, uh, I think it was four or five tries um, from Forbes, and uh, apparently uh, they had a special on at the Forbes Post Office Hotel. Um, you know, everybody gets a free drink per try he scored. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there was a report in the paper that they ran out of beer, so that's... Uh, <laughs> What a, that's a truly Aussie story there. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is it. Uh, you know, his, his uh, mates were there and uh, you actually saw them. Uh, there was some footage of them. They were actually standing on one corner in the first half. And then because the, he was running on the other side, they actually moved to the other try line corner on the second half as well. <laughs> so, look, yeah, some great stuff there. Look, the Panthers, they are, look, uh, they are sitting in second position and... Um, you know, this kind of performance shows you why, because they showed that they're a class above the Sharks and the Sharks have a, a very formidable team on paper, uh, really. So very, very interesting to see uh, where that goes. And I think the Sharks, um, you know, they kind of, uh, they, I think they need a bit of a transition period. If actually, they've got quite a number of stars in their game, but I think a lot of them are sort of past their prime a little bit. So, um, so I think when you have an aging roster like that, uh, maybe it's hard to play consistent footy week in week out. They've had a couple of good performances, but then uh, suddenly they've um, you know they're uh, they're sort of uh, not producing what they did in the past. All right, and the Broncos against the Bulldogs in a battle for the bottom, and the Broncos winning that one twenty six to eight. Another thump in there, um, and. Look, the Bulldogs, uh, we're going to talk about it soon, but obviously there's not been a good season for them. And uh, look, there's not much more to say. I think the the Broncos, we expected them to do well at home, Suncorp Stadium. Unsurprisingly, they uh, they put it together. Uh, I'm not sure you would say that they were impressive. I mean, five tries to two against a team that has struggled all season is a good win, but... Um, you know they've got a lot, lot to go. The Broncos until they redeem themselves a bit. But, uh, but yeah, what, what were your thoughts about this match? Bottom of the a ladder type of uh, fixture really wasn't too keen on either team. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. All right. The Melbourne Storm twenty defeating the Canberra Raiders fourteen. This was one where I think we both thought the Raiders, uh, who've had the wood on the storm in recent years, uh, were going to take this one out. But I think, look, I, I really get the impression that the Raiders, they've lost something this year. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, I mean, apart from BJ Lalua, um, you know, I just wonder if there's if there's some other reason why uh, they're not sort of showing the same level of, uh, you know, the ability to get over the storm, I think, in this game, I think they, they kind of they had their chances uh, without doubt. But, um, yeah, look, a disappointing result. Uh, a bit of a consolation try there at the end uh, in the last minute or so. So they were, you know, I guess I guess they were kind of uh, 20 to 10 down at that point. But, yeah, the, uh, uh, the, the storm, clinical as always. There was a great runaway try, try from Pappenheisen. Uh, in the second half there, which I guess it kind of sealed the deal at that point. Uh, they were already in the lead, uh, but, you know, a couple of late tries to Canberra really meant that they were in it with about a minute to go, but really uh, a little, too little too late, I would say. So Canberra have a lot of learning to do, I think, still 
to adjust to the the new teams that they've got basically because they've they've got you know Jordan Rapine isn't there um, and and the, you know Lalua obviously they've had to struggle without um, uh, you know was it Aiden Caesar I think uh, isn't there so they've lost they have lost a lot of players uh, without doubt uh, and so they, they're going to have to work out what can they do to you know forge a new identity uh, and and the new team kind of culture. And so, yeah, let's see how they go. Um, I, I should say Jordan Rappiner was there, but he was on the bench. So, it, you know, it just goes to show as well, everyone, that even though he, he'd only spent a tiny amount of time in rugby union, it has totally uh, destroyed his skills. Uh, he's come back to... He's come back to rugby league, a shadow of his former self. But now, look, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to him actually, uh, you know, building back up. But what what were your thoughts on this match? Raiders uh, losing to the Storm. Yeah, look, this is why uh, Melbourne are the uh, competition front runners. They completely dominated Canberra, and Canberra is completely uh, gone. I feel like as a team uh, through the season, I think Hodson is a is a huge loss for them, and it'd be interesting to see how. They can bounce back after the loss of Hodson. Um, and, yeah, really keen to see how things will play out for Canberra towards the rest of the season. And Melbourne, brilliant Melbourne, once again, um, you know, on top of the ladder and showing why they're, the, they're a team to beat and they're always going to be there. And, you know, they were able to beat the Roosters last week. So I think they're probably strong contenders to be the Premiers this year. All right. And the next game was... Uh a very low-scoring game in comparison to all, pretty much all the games that we've seen this season. Uh, this one was the Eels winning 10-4 against the Newcastle Knights. And look, the the key thing for me is that uh, it was such an un, such a good tight contest. Uh, the Eels probably would have uh, liked to have actually been, uh, you know, a little bit further ahead on the scoreboard if you consider the Knights and the kind of. Um, uh, the way that they played. But again, I think the Eels are kind of, uh, you know, they're just sort of stumbling along, winning, doing what they need to do to remain at the top of the ladder with all the pressure of the Panthers, the white-hot Panthers right behind them. Um, they were The pressure was on for them to win this one uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And they did win and they won it, uh, you know, I wouldn't say convincingly, but they won it. You know, they played a bit ugly. They did what they needed to do. Uh, they held on. Uh, it was so unusual, though, such an unusual game that no uh, tries were converted. So it was it was basically four all at halftime. It was then a penalty uh, to Parramatta, got them 6-4 uh, ahead, and then a try at uh, in the 64th minute to Sivo to seal the deal. Although in saying that, the Newcastle Knights were, you know, it, it was a it was a real defense defensive kind of uh, game for the Eels, and they had to really just be smart and hang on, and they did that. And uh, so I guess you can't ask for more than that. But having said that, I think they would have uh, expected to have put on a little bit of a better performance there, uh, considering the weather was was good and the way that they've been playing lately. But, um, look, they did the job. They did what needed to be done. Uh, Tish, what were your thoughts on this match? 
Yeah, great scrappy win from Parramatta. Uh, look, well done. They were able to eke out a victory without their major playmaker, Mitchell Moses. Uh, at times throughout the game, uh, they looked vulnerable, but their defense really carried them through. And I think uh, Newcastle kind of struggled in the way that they were attacking. Um, you could see them getting frustrated. You could see them um, not being able to, to put on the performance that they probably thought they could against uh, Parramatta. And I think their uh, defense was a little clunky, so they've got to sort that stuff out, Newcastle. But on the flip side, I think Parramatta, look, you know, um, you know, they, they struggle too in attack a little bit. And I think the young halfback, Jay Field, did a great job. But you could really see why they're struggling without Mitchell Moses. And he's a big key to their team. So uh, let's hope that, that they can get him back and get him back on the park quick. Um, and, um, yeah, let's hope they can put in some better performances. Um, you know, Dylan Smith, Clint Garth, I'm looking them to have a big game next All week. All right, and uh, the final game was the Dragons against Manly. And, look, Manly got off to a good start. Uh, they got off to 4-0 after eight minutes with an early try, but then it was, would you believe, 34 unanswered points to the Dragons who ended up winning 34-4. to I think it's fair to say, Tish, that neither of us would have expected this. I think you did tip Manly, but I don't think you would have expected this kind of a scoreline. I don't think anyone did, but uh, especially what we've seen with the Dragons this year. But they certainly put it together, and Manly, well, Tommy Turbo is really, uh, you know, without him, they're really a bit lost, aren't they, Manly? What were your thoughts on this? Look, great performance by St. George. Manly really struggling without Tommy Trebojevic, and I think they're going downhill. Meanwhile, St. George put a couple of really good performances together, and now playing like the team everybody thought they were. Mary Maguire, I think his job is safe for the moment, and I could just see them doing things at the moment. They're almost into the top eight, so really good performance by St. George, and uh, let's see how they go um, in the next coming rounds, because uh, they might be slow starters in previous seasons, but it looks like they've got their act together this year and I think they could be playing finals footy so wait and see for the Dragons and let's not forget uh, if you look at the ladder the Dragons are one win away from the top eight <laughs> so it just it just goes to show how tight it is uh, from look to be fair from about position eight onwards it's extremely tight uh, I think the top seven it's very unlikely that they're gonna we're gonna move from that top seven, but you never know. Uh, but yeah, look down below, there's definitely a lot of movement there. So you know, at this point, even the Bulldogs are in with a chance. I think of the top eight if things go their way. So you know, you never know. Never say never. Um, all right. Well, that ends the uh, round nine wrap. So let's move on to tackle number two. Here we go to scrum or not to scrum. That is the question. All right. So, Tish, uh, what's what's up with scrums? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, Dr. T. There's reports from the Daily Telegraph that Peter Verlandes wants to get rid of scrums entirely. Um, this comes off the back of the Super League getting rid of scrums um, for the commencement of the season. And, uh, you know, Wayne Pierce has actually said that uh, he actually uh, he actually thinks that Scrums could be actually fed by the referee. Uh, Phil Gould agrees uh, that they should get rid of scrums, while Wayne Pier- uh, well, Laurie Daly, I should say, is basically saying that they should keep the scrums because they're fearing that the game is going to go too fast. So, Dr. T, the question is, to scrum or not to scrum? I say scrum. Yeah, it's think? an interesting debate and one that, uh, you know, 
one one that we've had many times before, and I think the game has had many times before. And and look, I don't at, at, at first glance when this issue came up in the media and with Peter Volandis's comment as well, I kind of thought, oh, not again. We're going to keep talking about this scrum thing. But then I thought, well, why not now? Why not talk about it now? It's a perfect opportunity to kind of discuss, uh, you know, uh, to, to discuss making these radical changes. I mean, in, in radical times, that's when you need to make sometimes radical changes, uh, even if it is a radical change back to what you knew worked before, such as, you know, two, two referees down to one. I disagree with wholeheartedly with the idea of getting referees to feed the scrums because that what that's saying is, you know, we we acknowledge that we still want to have scrums, but we're just not doing them well, which I think is is true. But I think it misses the broader point, which is why you've brought this up as a debate, Tish, about should we have the scrum or not? And the English or the UK Super League has already had that discussion and they've decided uh, to scrap them um, And when they restart play. And and so it is. It, it has kind of raised the question as well, should the NRL be doing the same thing? Look, the more I think about it, the more I think potentially the scrum is our, it's our nostalgia albatross in a way, for those of you who understand the the the, the literary reference there, uh, it's it's potentially the thing that's really holding us back from letting go of the shackles of our rugby union past. Because if you think about it, we don't do lineouts anymore um, because we quickly realise. I mean, they were they're just plain ridiculous. Um, we don't have those other silly rules that they have around, you know, if you if you kick it out on the full from behind your 22-metre line, you get the ball back or some sort of crazy, I don't know, I don't really follow it. But, you know, a lot of those silly rules which make the game of rugby union more of a, a really boring game of chess, which we all acknowledge we don't want, um, you know, and yet we've still held on to this idea of the scrum. Now, you know, this is the perfect opportunity i think to have that the debate about what would the game be like if we were to let go of that final kind of uh, umbilical cord of the past um of of the scrum you know would we miss it would people look at look at the game of rugby league as uh, you know would it be seen as a bit of mickey mouse by not having scrums anymore would it be seen as more of a game of touch football as opposed to you know I've thought about all of these things, Tish, and to all of those, I say the answer is no. I think potentially that now is the time to make that decision. And since we've already gone from two referees to one and we've made a few other changes, why don't we look very, very carefully at scrapping the scrum and and seeing how we go? And you know what? If they don't want to do it now, why don't they agree uh, to to kind of trial it at at some you know some kind of uh, you know cup competition or, or some other you know n- other um, competition other than say the NRL if they're really scared about doing that let's see how it works in you know maybe in a preseason tournament or something like that um, because I, I I genuinely do think that it's you know it, it is 
something that is not necessary. It's not done well. In fact, it's more of a Mickey Mouse. It's a bad look to the game, the way the way it's been policed and enforced at the moment. Scrums are never being put down properly. They never get fed. The ball never gets fed in the middle like it's technically supposed to. It's um, it's just a way of extracting a bunch of players into a particular location for a few seconds so that you can do some set pieces. And we talked about this as well a couple of weeks ago where the most number of, um, you know, th- there's been an increase in the number of tries from set pieces from scrums because of a slight change in the rule of where the scrum is actually positioned, meaning that clubs are taking advantage of it and and uh, and organising proper set pieces that utilise both sides of the field, field effectively. Now, having said that, if we go to no scrum at all, that, that means that that is not going to be an issue anymore because what you'll be doing is you'll just be having, you know, potentially another way of giving the ball back to a team who, uh, you know, as a result of, say, a knock-on or whatever from the opposite team. So, again, I don't know what the solution is there, but if we're just talking about the issue of, should we get rid of scrums? My emphatic answer is yes. I think it's a way to cut the ties with the past and with rugby union. It is a way of uh, differentiating ourselves in the market. Uh, and I don't think it really adds value, uh, but that's my view. Tish, what about you? I'll let you have the final say. Uh, look, very simple for my end. Scrap it, Dr. T. You don't need it. It's redundant. doesn't make sense anymore. It's a bit crazy. I don't think it adds anything to the game. I don't think it speeds up or slow down the game at all. I just don't think it's it's necessarily needed. So, uh, look, uh, you know, it's time to do it. It's time to make the change. Perfect time to make the change. Let's make the change. Uh, are you ready for some change? I am ready for change. Scrums, no more scrums. Please get rid of it. Thank you. And uh, moving on, I think. <laughs> All right, tackle number three. Here we go. Pay has quit the Bulldogs. So effective immediately, I believe, uh, Pay has decided to cut ties with uh, the bottom team in the NRI at the moment, the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, to be honest, his uh, his fate was has been kind of sealed for a few weeks now, I think, because uh, they have just not been performing well at all. Um their roster isn't as strong as other teams, but that definitely he uh, didn't really help matters by, you know, not really having answers for them. I mean, there's there's really very little that we've seen from the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, you've got players like Moses Mbai in the centres. I mean, at the moment, uh, oh sorry, not Moses Mbai, not Moses Mbai. Sorry, I don't mean Moses Mbai. Sorry, that's what I meant. Um, you know, like it. It's just there's there's quite a lot of things that, that when you look at the team, you just sort of think, you know, they've just got so much more potential. But, but yeah, look, he's not really uh, – he obviously, for whatever reason, he wasn't able to inspire them. Look, and the interesting thing to me is, uh, as sad as it is to see Dean Pei go, uh, the interesting thing is what's been – who's been touted to replace him. Uh, now, Trent Barrett, who's currently – at uh, you know, lost his full-time coaching role last year uh, uh, with Manly, uh, with uh, Desi Hasler coming back, um, has gone over to the Panthers in a, an assistant coach role, 
And he has basically been, well, for many reasons, people are believing that he's the reason why they have really upped the ante in terms of their attack. Um, they have uh, absolutely gone great guns this year in their attack. In fact, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that their uh, their attack is uh, well. No, it's second. It's second to the uh, the Roosters in terms of uh, points uh, points four, and which is not surprising because the Roosters have put on some absolutely massive scores against a few teams. But having said that, the Panthers have played some pretty high-level teams and uh, come in second on the ladder. So, look, Trent Barrett has been touted as a possible replacement for Dean Pay. I'd uh, like to get your thoughts on Dean Pay and also, just in general, what are your thoughts on Trent Barrett? Yeah, Dr. T, look, I feel very sorry for Dean Pay. He's done a he's done the best job he can. He uh, inherited a very rough uh, roster. They've gone through uh, some, some really bad times at the Bulldogs and you know, he's been the guy to steady the ship. He is a uh, a club great, club legend at the Bulldogs. You know, he played uh, a lot of his career there. Obviously, he played some career, uh, you know, at Parramatta as well, their arch rivals. Um, but look, as a coach, I don't think he's been given a fair shot. I actually hope that down the track he does get to coach once again because I think his time at the Bulldogs was really soured by just the fact of all the problems that they had had gone through and I really don't think it's too fair. Look now, moving on from the Bulldogs, I think um, Trent Barrett's a, a good man for the job. He's young, he's enthusiastic, um, he's had a run at the NRL before, uh, but I also think he needs a bit of infrastructure around him as well because I think the Bulldogs have got a very toxic environment and they need to do something to fix their club up a little bit. Um, it's probably not fair for the Bulldogs fans, just the way they club has been run over the last few years there seems to be lots of politics lots of you know misinformation and, and information that is going left right and everywhere so let's hope the Bulldogs can get their act together and um, look I think they need a long-term solution let's sign a coach up for five or more years and let's actually fix the club it's going to take a long-term approach but I think they could do it and um, yeah and and maybe Trent Barrett is the man if not maybe Anthony Griffin if not maybe Tim Sheens who knows uh, but I think Trent Barrett will do a great job, um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how he goes. And maybe the Panthers, uh, I think they're looking to release him, uh, but it would be interesting if they are willing to do that. So, look, let's see how the Bulldogs will go. They can't go any worse than what they're going at the moment. Um, yeah, Dr. Ted, those are my thoughts. All right. Tackle number four. All right, so the NRL, there are some young guns in the NRL that have... Uh, been caught up with coronavirus, uh, and uh, look, and, and a lot of it. Well, you know, they've been caught up not necessarily because they've got it, but they've breached protocols. Um, you know, and and this is a bit of a problem. So we've got first of all uh, in the Parramatta Eels, uh, Stefano. Now, apologies of the name, Yutoi Kamanu uh, has. Uh, has uh, you know breached COVID protocols uh, by running over to the embrace some fans in the stands <laughs> before he was escorted away by an eel staffer. Obviously, didn't quite remember. We've had Penrith Penrith rising star Char, Char, rising star Charlie Staines, of course, uh, was that the five try hero. Um, or the, no, or the four try here. I, I forget <laughs> one of those tries. Um, he was he has been stood down from club duties for breaching NRL's biosecurity protocols, 
in the wake of his stunning debut at the weekend. He hosted 10 visitors at his place of residence after the Panthers match on Saturday night. So, look, fair enough he wanted to celebrate his debut game. Uh, but, you know, come on. I mean, in this this time, you know, you've got to be careful. Um, and uh, Bulldog centre Jake Avrilo was stood down from training and forced into isolation uh, due to that Crossroads Hotel cluster. Um and, and I guess that raises a question that, look, as things are getting worse, uh, we are going to continue to have these stories of players not doing the right thing. Uh, Tish, what should the NRL do to remind players of their responsibilities on the field and even even off the field that, you know, some of them may, you know, they may be happy, they're young, they're, they're silly sometimes, but, you know, you can't just have parties anymore. It's We're still in restricted social distancing kind of measures. People have got to remember that. So what else could the NRL do to remind them? Yeah, Dr. T, boys will be boys. And some of these new debutantes, uh, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're sort of uh, thinking uh, not quite straight. You know, we've had a situation where, um, you know, we brought up Staines before. You know, he had a great, um, you know, debut game, but then he's been caught with 10 of his mates, uh, you know, who have sort of celebrated the victory a little too hard. Um, and, uh, yeah, there you go. And I think... Um, Another thing that he'd done wrong was he actually uh, went to the hospital, didn't tell the Panthers about it, and he's in breach again. So the Panthers had to stand him down. Obviously, the young Parramatta fella just got a little too excited and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, yeah, it's his debut, so he kind of went and hugged fans. Kind of a bad look. And then, look, Alvaro, I actually feel very sorry for him, uh, Aviluro, because uh, I believe it was his parents who went to the Crossroads uh, hotel, and as a result, he's had to self-isolate. So not really directly related to him. Uh, look, I think overall the NRL just really needs to, um, you know, get a hold of these young players and, um, you know, get some of the senior um, players as well to sort of talk to these young lads and make sure that these guys understand that um, they've really got to adhere to the protocols. The protocols here in the uh, that they have to do is actually a lot stronger than what a lot of other people have to face, and it's because the NRL has gotten some exemptions. So I think that um, they need to educate, educate, and educate some of these young guys so they actually don't break protocol. And as a result, the NRL doesn't look silly. You know, we're talking on the verge of moving the whole competition to Queensland um, just to try and uh, keep the competition running. So things are already as serious as they are, and it's not going to help having all these young guys uh, breach protocol. So... Guys, let's get your act together. And I think some of the senior players also need to stand up and actually um, show a bit of leadership and actually uh, get these guys in line because really it's a privilege to play in the NRL and they really um, they really need to to do better when it comes to adhering to these protocols, Dr. T, for everybody's safety. Absolutely. All right, tackle number five. Here we go. All right, so we, uh, we're finally diving into this Rebel... European Rugby League that has uh, been starting to be set up uh, in anticipation of uh, February 2021. There have been 16 16 clubs that are set to feature in a Champions League style, uh, you know, rugby league competition in 2021. Uh, And we'll just talk a little bit about it and and let's see what we think. So, look, this has been put together by a small group of people who have Basically, the, the new competition is designed to focus on 
uh, developing players and strengthening domestic leagues, as well as increasing player participation across Europe. So I think in terms of the goals that they've set, the objectives that they set for this competition, there's definitely a lot of good uh, goodwill there, and and it's a good idea. Um, I guess the question that some people are raising is the selection of the clubs that they have chosen. Uh, you know, it is very much, uh, you know, it's a non-professional kind of uh, <laughs> kind of competition, uh, as far as I'm aware. Uh, you're not going to see the likes of. Uh, you know, Super League clubs here. But what you will see is uh, basically Europe being represented, uh, you know, across the board. So let's just dive into who are the 16 teams, where are they from, and uh, and then I'll get your thoughts, Tish. So from Turkey, we've got, uh, again, an Anadolu 13. I don't know exactly too much about that. Uh, from England, we've got the Birmingham Jaguars. Uh, from Hungary, we've got Budapest RL. From Moldova, we've got Chisinau Scorpions. From Denmark, we've got Copenhagen Rugby League Football Club. From Ireland, we've got the Dublin Blues. From Scotland, the Edinburgh Eagles. From Italy, we've got the Leone Veneti. Uh, we've got, from Belgium, North Brussels Gorillas. From Greece, we've got the Rhodes Knights. From Wales, we've got the Ronda Outlaws. From Netherlands, the Rotterdam Pitbulls. From Sweden, the Skane Stags. From Norway, with the Stavanger RK. From Spain, the Valencia Hurricanes. And finally, from the Czech Republic, the... Oh, my goodness. How do you say this? Vrich, the Vrichelabi Mad Squirrels. Now, <laughs> I've got to say, Tish... If we're talking about, look, on the one hand, what they're trying to do, all power to them, uh, you know, in terms of getting uh, getting a spread of, you know, uh, the European nations, uh, boosting them, boosting their profile, putting money towards it, making it a proper competition. I just, I've just got a question, and look, some of these clubs are already existing. It's not like as if they've, in fact, they've all, they're all existing, pre-existing. So there is something to be said about some of the really great names that we see in some rugby league clubs around the world, the, the, you know, the, some of the amateur clubs around the world. But I do question, however, some of the clubs that they've selected, uh, are they really representative of, uh, of those nations? Uh, you know, why did they select certain clubs? Like, there's no, there's been not much information about what is the reason behind, you know, the Leone Veneti from Italy. You know, why did they choose them as opposed to some of the other clubs that are there? You know, obviously a lot of it has to do with politics and and whether it's uh, it it's a kind of a sanctioned competition, all that kind of stuff, which kind of again, brings me back to this issue that we've had all along with some of what's been happening in rugby league and around the world when we've seen, you know, new nations wanting to join the fold and new areas, pioneering areas being uh, built up and developed is that there's always a risk that if you don't do it right, if you do things like name your teams, uh, you know, really silly names, um, it, it just comes a bit across as... Mickey Mouse and and uh, and and it it could actually harm 
the image more than it helps it. Having said that, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It could be that this it could be a genius move. You could be getting with some of these pre-existing clubs an already existing fan base that can only help to actually build the profile within their local hometowns and their local leagues. So it could actually end up being a, a genius move. I guess my question is, it's a very risky move to do that and to not just, you know, put, um, well, I guess this is what they say here as well with, when we're talking about expansion in the NRO, isn't it? Do we put pins on the map or do we expand in the uh, heartland areas and build from there? And I think, I like the, the the approach of expanding from what you've already got and building on the existing fan bases that you've got. I guess what I'm a little bit concerned about is that if you do that in so many countries um, all at once, it just looks like a you know a random random kind of competition that um, it, it looks like a kind of competition that you'd see from a a Hollywood uh, you know Mighty Ducks four movie kind of thing. Um, and, and that concerns me a little bit. So I'm hoping that I'm wrong and I'm not trying to, um, you know, pour salt on this, but I think it's something that uh, we, we I'm a bit concerned about. Tish, do you share my concerns or are you thinking that this could be the game changer in uh, Europe Rugby League? Well, Dr. T, I am behind this. Uh, it looks like it's a very exciting idea. Uh, finally, uh, rugby league in the mainland of Europe. But look, this uh, outfit that is trying to run this, there is a lot of question marks that I have over it. Uh, firstly, like, you know, how is this being funded? You know, who's sort of the background of it? I've never heard of these teams. Um, I find the English team to be very interesting, the Birmingham team, because I've never actually heard of that, that team before, so I don't know if they're Division 3, Division 4, or Division 50. It really is quite terrible. And the other thing that I'm trying to work out is, uh, is there actually a team from France here? Um, because you would think that, uh, you know, if you're going to start a mainland competition or rugby league, you want to start off with a team or a country, a nation, that's actually got some rugby league heritage. And uh, we don't have that in this competition at all because there is a lack of France. And um, that just doesn't make sense uh, to me at all. So, look, while the concept seems fantastic, I think there are some issues with this competition. And, look, maybe it's a pipe dream, how they're going to travel around. Uh, All those sort of questions probably need to be answered. And uh, let's hope that they actually got some money and backing behind this. Let's just hope it's not a pipe dream. Um, and let's hope that they have a serious go with it. I really would love to have the NRL get involved as well in terms of actually sponsoring this. Um, even some of the Super League clubs, if they could sort of participate, maybe we could get a few players to, to sort of be a part of it as well. So, look, I think it's uh, – yeah, it's, it's a very interesting idea, but I think uh, – I think, I think it needs a lot of work. So let's hope that they can get their act together. And uh, yeah, finally, European football, uh, European Rugby League, it's finally here. So you look, good, good things, but yeah, just a very odd sort of choice for some of the teams. And and uh, yeah, the lack of France and uh, yeah, just the, uh, the English team is a bit weird. Well, um, look, this is the thing. Like I said, they are... I guess they're trying to pitch the the teams at the same kind of level. Uh, and so, you know, you're talking about England being represented. And, yeah, interestingly, why is France not there? I find that really odd. Uh, 
the fact that England is represented by a team, you know, in the lower leagues, uh, you know, is is very um, it makes sense. Uh, makes sense. And as I said, I think um, having having some of the other teams that are pre-existing teams makes a difference. But you've also got to remember that the teams that you're putting up are now getting. You know, we would never have talked about the Vichlabi Mad Squirrels from the Czech Republic ever before <laughs> until until this has come about. So this is this is a way to sort of bring together the you know um, the uh, I guess the the, the high-profile nature of, of a competition of this nature and and to shine the spotlight a bit on these real clubs with real fan bases, no matter how small they are. Um, and, and yeah, so, I mean, look, the, the, the other thing is as well is that we've, you know, we've also heard that there's, uh, unfortunately, I don't see Red Star Belgrade there which was one team that was touted as potentially being, I think we talked about them a while ago when this uh, this idea first came about. So I don't know why that's not happening. So again, some very odd choices here. Obviously, uh, it goes without saying, as I said earlier, and you've alluded to as well, that the politics behind this is probably the reason why some of it doesn't make sense, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame. But this is, again, rugby league shooting itself in the foot when it comes to actually organising things. Um and and look, I do hope, I really do hope that some positives come out of this because uh, I want, we obviously want the game to succeed uh, wherever it is. But more importantly, I think in this case, I do want some of these clubs to actually grow and uh, grow interest in the game. More importantly, and I think, I think that would be um, look. At some point, you kind of got to think it doesn't really matter which team say is representing Norway, but. If you know that you can have a Norwegian team represented representative there against, say, a, you know, who knows, against a Dutch team, the Rotterdam Pitbulls, if you're in Norway, do you care necessarily, you know, who the other team is, or will you just potentially go just for, because of the fact that your country is being represented? So I think this is this is the partly the bit which I don't. I can't quite tell whether it's a risk or it's a genius move to actually, uh, you know, again, it's speaking to the tribal nature of rugby league. And one of the, the real tribal uh, kind of elements is to the nation. You know, people do find allegiance to the nation often above their club as well. And so I think that's something there that if the nations are represented, uh, then it kind of doesn't matter. You're going to get people in Valencia who would go, this is the Spanish representative team. I'm going to support them, even though I don't know what this game is, <laughs> you know, which is all the more reason why we should get rid of scrums <laughs> because <laughs> that way people won't confuse it for rugby union. And so I think that's, uh, that's the other thing that uh, it all ties up, Tish. Uh, it all ties up with uh, the rules of the game and the marketing of the game. So look, best wishes to everyone in this competition. I hope it goes well. I'll certainly be tuning into wherever it is available uh, on the internet or wherever, because I do want to see what this is all about. And, you know, I'm not expecting massive crowds, obviously, even if the COVID crisis has been semi-resolved and we've, we're back to some sort of semblance of normality with social distancing. But having said that, I think it'll just be enough to kind of, uh, you know, start something, which is better than nothing, and I think that's we've got to put give props to the uh, the entrepreneurs out there in rugby league who are putting their money where their mouths are and just getting on with it 
and talking up the game and and trying to do something to build the game and interest in the game. So I think from that perspective, more power to them. Uh, so Tish, any final comments? No, not really. Let's get going with the set of six. So, all right. So let's move on to our final tackle. Tackle number six, uh, our round 10 tips. Here we go. All right. So last week, uh, you got five, I got three. So you are inching closer to me at 32.5 and I'm at 33.5. Let's go straight through it. Roosters versus Raiders. I am tipping the Roosters. I think the Roosters are still uh, cruising and still smashing teams. So this will be an easy one for them, I think, even though it is a grand final replay. What do you think, Tish? Yeah, I agree. I think Roosters are gone for the season. So that's why I – sorry, Raiders are gone. That's why I'm tipping the Roosters. Um, they're the best team in the competition at the moment, and they should win and um, maybe win comfortably without hot seconds. And- All right, Storm versus Titans, and I think it's uh, fairly clear to say that we. I'm tipping the Storm. I'm guessing you are too, Tish. I don't see them being defeated by the Titans. Yeah, look, an all-Queensland derby, and I think we have to give it to the Storm. I don't think the Titans can do much, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So that's what happens when you've got these teams moving across, and uh, Melbourne, it, they kind of become the you know the Central Central Coast Storm Hurricanes, whatever they want to be. But Storm for me for this one for sure. All right. Speaking of Queensland, the other former top team, the Brisbane Broncos, up against your West Tigers. Look, I'm thinking that the Tigers, uh, you know, even though they're coming off a loss, I think. When it comes down to it, they should really win these types of games against the Broncos who are below them on the table. Uh, Tish, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. If the Tigers want to play finals footy, they must win this game. There are a few games behind actually winning, getting to the top eight, I believe, so they need to catch up. This is a game they need to beat. No Luke Brooks, so very interesting. Billy Walters playing at Leichhardt, the old Brisbane great Kevin Walters' son. So very, very interesting, but uh, Tigers for mine. Wow. Uh, look, Dragons and Bulldogs, traditional rivals. Unfortunately, the, neither of the teams are up where they should be, so it's not going to be a, uh, a tremendously impactful kind of game on the ladder. But having said that, with the Dragons coming off a win, look, I'm tipping the Dragons, but look, now that the Bulldogs are switching coaches, uh, I think it was Steve Georgialis is uh, assistant coach is now uh, you know, taking over for the rest of the season in a caretaker role. I, you know, beware of the new coach bounce <laughs> that you often see, uh, but I don't think the Bulldogs will have it in them. So I think the Dragons will win this one. Yep. Look, the Bulldogs don't have it in them, uh, no matter what, because it's more than the coach they need to fix. I think the Dragons will win. They're on the rise and we'll see how well they go. Dragons. <laughs> All right. Rabbitohs versus Knights. I think this will be the most uh, interesting game of the round. And I think the Rabbitohs will win this one in a very, very tight game. Yeah, look, I think the Rabbitohs are a great team. They're doing well. They're in form and all that sort of stuff. But I really haven't taken on some of the top teams. One of the top teams is Newcastle, who's shown a bit of lack of form. But I think Newcastle is going to get their act together a little bit. Um, they'll have a real big heart up. And I think Newcastle have got all the class to win the game. Strong game for Mitchell Pearce and, uh, and the rest of them. All right. Uh, Manly versus Parramatta. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, Manly were, you know, riding high, and this was a tight game, and it was a controversial game. But look, the Eels, 
I think have just gone from strength to strength, even though they've been weakened a little bit without Mitchell Moses. I think Manly have now lost the plot entirely, pretty much. So I don't think they have it in them to defeat the Eels. I think the Eels will run rampant over them. So uh, Eels for mine. Yeah, well, look, Manly have had things go not their way ever since the controversial forward passed against Parramatta. So, and obviously losing Tom Trevojevic as well. So, look, I think Manly, they're kind of gone for the season. I'm tipping the Eels. The Eels are the number one team for a reason. They get the job done. Even when they aren't uh, playing that well, they still seem to win. So, I think the Eels are going to be strong. And I think, uh, you know, Manly got some soul surging. They could be gone for the season without Tommy. Uh, that's really how bad they are. I think they've got some other injuries as well. Um, so, look, I think Manly are... Yeah, uh, look, I'm tipping the Eels and they're looking for a f- strong performance. Let's hope that Jay Field and uh, Smith and, and some of the other players can go well and um, even without Mitchell Pierce. So so Eels for mine, uh, probably by a lot. All right, Warriors versus Sharks. And look, after getting smacked last week, I think the Sharks will be hurting and they'll be looking to, uh, you know, to redeem themselves. But I don't think they'll be able to do it. I think uh, I think the 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 Panthers exposed quite a bit of weaknesses there in the Sharks, and I think the Warriors have what it takes. Uh, you know, strength wise, uh, you know, RTS is still doing what he needs to do. I think, and I think, you know, it'll be an interesting one. This will be the Sean Johnson Cup <laughs> um, because obviously the Sharks now with Sean Johnson there. But I think the Warriors will have the wood on them, so the Warriors for mine. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. But, look, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I think the Sharks have got a better team on paper. They had a very poor performance last week. But I think they've been playing better than what they have in previous weeks. So I think the Sharks can bounce back. They, they had a bad loss last weekend. Uh, but I don't think the Warriors have enough class in them at the moment. Um, just so depressing every time you hear about the Warriors. So I think that the Sharks can really do it uh, and do it well. You know, uh, so, uh, yeah, look, I'm tipping the Sharks, and I think that they will win a tight one against the Warriors. All right, Panthers versus Cowboys, uh, the James Tamau Cup. Uh, I think this will be an easy one. <laughs> Panthers will do this very, very easily. Uh, I think they're at home. So, although I don't know what home is nowadays. It's, it's definitely New South Wales. I know that for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, look, Panthers for mine against the Cowboys. Yeah, look, I think the Panthers as well. Um could be a blowout. Once again, the Cowboys haven't really been playing that well, haven't been really traveling that well either. And Panthers, they're the number two team uh, ranked. Uh, people think that they might win the premiership despite even losing their attacking coach. But um, everything you're singing left, right and center, they're so organized in attack. They're really good in defense. Really, um, they're almost unstoppable. So I think the Panthers, for mine, will win handsomely. All right, and that wraps up our tips for round 10. Uh, and uh, don't forget to uh, you know check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on iTunes as well. You can download and subscribe, download all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and leave us a review or post your comments. Don't forget you can check us out on our website, rlrepublic.com, or email us, rlrepublic at gmail.com, if you have any feedback to give us or any ideas about what you want to hear us talk about in upcoming episodes. Uh, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there. Don't forget to watch NRL Rugby League this weekend, and look, that's all the time that we have for this uh, edition of the show. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T, Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic.
Bye for now.